This is a podcast for spiritual downloads, star seeds, light workers, and authenticity. Spiritual awareness is advised. Welcome to the 1111 podcast. So glad to have you here. Let's all just start by taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. You are here right now in this moment. Just feel the presence of this moment. There's so much going on right now. All right, so try not to get caught up in the hype or the drama or other people's lives. Just focus on what's happening right here, right now. Let's just be in the now moment, shall we? All right. So as always, if you have any topic requests, you can send those to my inbox at Agent K21 Podcast or on Twitter. You can find me at Agent K21. Let me know what you want to hear. If you want to be featured or if you want to nominate someone to be a feature, please reach out. Let me know how we can get that topic heard and covered on these episodes here. And so, um, yeah, it's a lot of energy right now. Do you guys feel it? Like, How's that uh, airy season treating you guys? We just had a new moon uh, recently in the season, in the sign of Aries. And uh, yeah, you know, we are starting a new cycle. And if you're not familiar with the moon cycles or if you feel like you're not in the rhythm of the moon cycle, no worries. You know, we all have our own unique rhythms and you have to honor your own rhythm. You have to honor where you are first before you can go to where you're going you have to honor where you've been and honor exactly where you are but I'm definitely feeling this energy and um, maybe you guys are too this new energy just a lot may be coming up to the surface old wounds may be coming up to be cleared and integrated and healed and released and before we can welcome in that new we have to clear space so if you're being triggered right now if things that you thought you were over done with are coming up to the surface just breathe through it don't don't worry about it it's coming up for a reason and you're definitely strong enough to get through it and if you need just a little guidance or assistance on that journey if you're having a spiritual awakening or just needing a lot on your mind that you just want to process or maybe stuff from previous years coming up that are just maybe overwhelming or maybe just challenging to deal with I do offer donation-based counseling service So if you want to try that, you can definitely check that out. The link is in the description. Um, And if you want to join the team of being a healer, being a just a spiritual person who wants to give back to the community, I'm building an empire, starting it fresh from the ground up. And if you want to know more about that, you can definitely reach out and say whatever service you want to offer. You don't have to be spiritual or anything. Just maybe you just want to give back in some way, shape, or form. Also, I definitely appreciate your guys' donations. If you feel led to give a donation, um, the link is also in the description. You don't have to, but for those who want to, and maybe these episodes and podcasts have been helping you and you just want to give back, and if that's in your realm of doing so, you can always uh, leave donations if you choose to. Not necessary, but if you want to, I do appreciate them always. And uh, I'm just grateful for you guys. You know, you guys are just rocking this, listening. You know, for those who have been diligently listening, like I'm just bravo to you. That takes a lot of uh, persistence and determination to always show up. And if you're showing up for these podcasts, I'm 
certain that you're hopefully showing up for yourself. One can hope, right? <laughs> I hope that you're showing up for yourself just as much as you are for others. And um, yeah, if you also want to rock some merchandise, we got the 1111 merch store is up and running. That is also in the description below. Uh, let's see, what else? <laughs> Uh, music, if you want to learn how to play an instrument, either virtually or production-wise or songwriting, and maybe traditional music hasn't been your style of learning, I kind of flip it on its head and show a different way to learn, because I primarily learn by training myself, learning by ear, that kind of stuff. Um, and I just have some different ways to kind of show you and help you tap into your own unique song and your own unique creativity, because believe it or not, we are all creative, you know, we may have limiting beliefs that tell us we're not, but we are all creative beings. And so tapping into what element that is for you, and maybe it's music, and maybe you had some rough starts on trying to do that and just clearing out that old baggage. And just like this new moon, we're just clearing out the old cycle to start a new cycle. And you guys are more than capable to do it. I, I definitely believe that. And so if you have any, uh, also, if you have any dreams that you've been having, <laughs> I have my whole list of things to remember to say. If you have any dreams that have been happening and um, it's a little intense right now as the energies are shifting and you're trying to process your dreams and maybe you're pretty good at interpreting your dreams on your own, but maybe just one just like, what is going on? Um, I do offer donation-based dream interpretation. Um, it's not really donation based, but that's a whole nother story. If you're having dreams and you want help interpreting them, reach out and I can talk to you more about what that process looks like. But I, I will say that for those who are really interested in, in diving into that and, you know, others have already benefited from that and have given pretty good feedback about that. So it's not me interpreting your dream. It's me bringing the dream to source consciousness and sitting with it and channeling that message of what I get you know I'm not the end-all be-all of what the dream means but I may be able to provide a different perspective that may illuminate something that you didn't recognize or anything and again it's not me necessarily telling you what your dream means it's me bringing it to the divine and sitting with it and meditating on it so that I can bring you an unfiltered message um so if any of that is something that you want to get into, you can reach out on social media. If you don't have social media, you can send me an email. If you don't have email, you can uh, fax me. You can, uh, you know, telepathically let me know. I don't know. I'm just kidding. That, that's, that's probably rude. But you can definitely reach out any way that you feel need to do so. Um, but yeah, this, this week has been really closing out old cycles and filtering out old energy and uh, I was meditating this week I was really taking some time so you know I for those who've been trying to book counseling sessions that's why you weren't able to because I've been really disengaged from that for a moment just uh, ground and center and you know we have to fill our own cup before we can pour back so just taking some time to really ground and center and um, I was meditating throughout the week and a couple of songs came up, collective songs that I felt uh, the universe wants me to share with the collective. So here I am. And the first song that I got, this was like maybe Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Um, 
I mean, days and times really don't mean anything because you may be listening to this at a, at a future date. You may be listening to this in a, another part of the world where that doesn't matter. But it was Wednesday, my day. <laughs> and uh, the collective song that I heard was um, the theme song from the TV show Saved by the Bell, titled Saved by the Bell. Now, I, I don't know who actually sings it, but um, that, that song came up and it was just like on a loop. And I was like, okay, the collective is in this state of urgency. I felt like there was just this, this energy of trying to get things done, that there's a deadline or something, or there's a sense of urgency and wanting to, to make it before the bell rings, you know? Uh, for those of us who may have experienced that, it can be a little, it can be a little intense trying to, <laughs> trying to do things before a certain time. So I just felt this kind of stress and urgency energy coming through midweek um, of this week and then the next song I heard uh, it was kind of the same day and I was kind of like is this is this a personal message or is this a collective message I'm still not really sure but I'll share it <laughs> and it was um, this song called can't get next to you by the temptations now um, that whole premise of that song is like um, kind of this attitude of something being unattainable and yet you have all of these accolades, you have all of this prestige, but th there's one thing that seems so unattainable or so out of reach. And, you know, whatever that could be, could be going to school, could be, I don't know, <laughs> whatever it is for your own situation, however that resonates, but that came through. And then the following day after that, the song that was in my head in the morning, it felt like a collective song, like the collective energy was feeling this way was the song uh, Fame from the movie, like the 80s movie, uh, Fame, the Fame theme song, I guess. It was titled Fame. <laughs> and it's all about like having courage and believing in yourself and being remembered for something great, you know? And I just felt that energy of like this uh, culmination of that intense energy and just the contrast of all of that. So if any of that resonates with you guys, maybe check that out I uh, definitely felt a collective energy of the sense of urgency followed by despair followed by courage you know and that's often how things go in our emotions it's a wave it's um you know being able to, to sit with our emotions and to understand what are they telling us what messages do I need to ground and download and process and how much of this is from me, how much of this is from the world, how much of this is from society, our culture, our family unit structures, or whatever, and really filtering out what is ours and what is not ours. And so I was just really into different meditations uh, throughout the week while I was really cleansing and detoxing everything out, and uh, got some good good channels downloaded, some, some good vibes <laughs> were downloaded, and so um, I felt that, that was important because, yeah, I, that resonates somewhere, I'm sure. And um, wherever, whenever you find this message, it's, it's for you. And just trust and believe that and know that to be true. And so I want to continue the, the series, the saga of the Ascended Masters. And so we're going to take it back. We're going to take it back to the Ascended Masters, okay? And if you're not familiar with the Ascended Masters, please check out the playlist I've been adding to called the Ascended Masters Playlist. It's on Spotify. It's on wherever you listen to the podcast at. You can go through 
the playlist is on Spotify, but you can always check out these former episodes of the Ascended Masters throughout whatever platform you use. And uh, taking it back to an OG, one of the classics, one of the greats, you may be aware of this Ascended Master, you may know this Ascended Master, you may practice and study with this Ascended Master, but if not, I'm just here to honor this Ascended Master and to hopefully encourage people to, if it feels right, if it resonates, to look into it for yourself. But um, this Ascended Master is very ancient, very, very classic, very old time, uh, very pure, beautiful soul. And this Ascended Master is um, the founder of Buddhism, Buddhist, right? The Buddha, the awakened one, the enlightened one. And before my favorite Ascended Master, before Jesus, there was the Buddha. Okay, there was the Buddha. Before all of this other stuff, Buddha was there. And it is now 444, so let's honor that moment of protection. Thank you for that. All right. So, mm, thank you. So, the Buddha... Maybe you're familiar with the Buddha. Maybe you're not. So I've been learning and, and just getting so much more. I was not as familiar with the Buddha. Now, I want to put this disclaimer out there. This, this is not about religion, okay? Buddhism is a philosophy. It's a practice. It's a way of life. Um, I do feel that people can take it as a religion and use it or practice it as a religion. But I do feel also that it can be from my estimation it can seem when we take it and make it a religion it can become harmful like most religions can be you know because religion seems to be more about control versus freedom and um, regardless if you're religious or not you're welcome to your you don't have to ascribe to any belief system to understand these messages you don't have to believe in buddhism or the buddha to benefit from the life he lived the legacy and understanding what you can take from this so whether you are religious or not it really does not matter um to each their own you're all welcomed here and i'm just truly honored to have you here in any way shape or form so i want to read a little bit about the buddha now this first passage i'm going to read from is actually from a book and it's called uh i'll get to what it's called in a second but it's a book that i found on uh iBooks. So if you have a iOS device, an Apple device, you can check out this book called uh, Buddha Quotes. It's called Buddha Quotes and it is by, uh, let's see, who is it by? I don't know, actually. Hmm. It just says History of Buddha. Interesting. Well, anyway, I will find out that information at some point and hopefully put it in the description for you guys. Um, also, I realized I had said I was going to put some stuff in the description and I completely did not, completely misplaced it. And so I went back and added some articles to uh, the first episode of the season government. I think it was the new normal I had misplaced and I added that to the description. So depending on when you heard the episode, it may not have been available, but um, it takes a while for it to generate, but that's there now. And then the previous episode there was some article I wanted to mention but I completely did not and it's our the article is now available in the description if you choose to look at that but right now we're gonna continue to talk about the history of Buddha 
And um, any words that I may mispronounce, please charge it to the head, not to the heart. I don't mean to. And um, understanding who Buddha is, was, will be. Guatemala Buddha was born as Prince Siddhara, Siddhartha around 566 BC to the king and queen in a village that is now the border of um, Nepal. Buddha was an ascetic, oh my gosh, Buddha was a sage (laughs) on whose teachings Buddhism, Buddhism was founded. He is believed to have lived and taught mostly in the eastern part of ancient India. Soon after his birth, an astrologer predicted that Prince Siddhartha was destined to lead the life of a sage and that he would give up his right to the throne in all worldly possessions, pleasures. It was around 2,500 years ago when Prince Siddhartha Gautama left all the worldly pleasures to attain the reality of life and become the Buddha, the enlightened one. According to ancient traditions, the queen dreamed that a white elephant descended from heaven and entered her womb. The white elephant entering her womb indicated that on that very night, she had conceived the child who was as pure, who was a pure and powerful being, a young Siddhartha never left the palace and saw nothing more than the luxuries of it. At the age of 16, his parents got him married to the daughter of a nobleman. Siddhartha was kept amused and entertained for some time by this privileged life beyond behind the palace walls until one day his divine vocation awoke in him and he decided to visit the nearby town. On one particular day, he asked his chiriter to take him on a tour of the city. The first person they came across was an old man who was weak and frail by the side of the road. Siddhartha was intrigued by him and was made to understand that with old age comes weakness and ill health. The next person he came across was a sick man in great pain. Siddhartha was told that the man was not immune of diseases. He then saw the body of a dead person being carried to the cemetery ground. The young prince was told that everybody would die one day and leave the world. At the end of his city tour, Siddhartha came across a sage who was calm and serene. He was told that such men give up their worldly possessions and desires. Siddhartha was deeply troubled by his first experience of the outside world. Several questions crossed his mind about life and death. He then decided that to get answers to his questions, he would have to leave the palace and give up all in his luxurious life. At the age of 29, Siddhartha left the palace at night. He wandered far and wide, trying different ways to find the path of truth. One fine day, as Siddhartha reached Bodh Gaya, and being very exhausted, he took a seat under the shade of a people tree and closed his eyes. It was then he felt a divine light coming within himself. This was the turning point in his quest as he realized that the truth is within every human being and to search for it outside was baseless. 
After this incident, he came to be known as Buddha, or the Enlightened One. For 45 years, Buddha spread his message of spiritual life to not only his disciples, but the common people as well. Gautama Buddha shared his knowledge with five sage people who meditated with him together. (laughs) They traveled across the country teaching the principles of Buddhism. These principles were called the Noble Truths, which were, the world is full of suffering and misery. Desire is the cause for all suffering and misery. Suffering and misery can be abolished by removing desire. Desire can be overcome by following the Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path includes right views, right thoughts, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right efforts, right mindfulness, and right meditation. As per Buddhism, if one follows these paths, one could overcome desires, which were the reason for all the grievances and miseries. Buddha preached nonviolence, peace, and harmony. He strongly felt that people should treat one another with compassion, forgiveness, and tolerance. Several moments have several monuments have been built in India, which were built as tributes to Buddhism. The world renounced Ajata and Elora caves and other caves, as well as temples and universities at places. After spreading his message to the world successfully, Buddha died at the age of 80 years in 483 BC in India. Today, Buddhism has a strong followers in various Asian countries and is gradually finding its feet in some of the Western countries as well. So, did any of that resonate with you? What are your thoughts on that? What did you learn about Siddhartha Gautama, also known as the Buddha, that you didn't know before? What do you want to research more on? What do you want to know more now that you've had a snippet of that now you can be spiritual religious whatever you want to call yourself and not have to follow everything you know I think it's okay to agree to disagree you know even people that I watch are are inspired by I don't agree with everything they have to say I don't necessarily follow everything that everyone else does and I don't think we necessarily are here to live that way I think we're here to find what resonates for us and to take what we can. So for me, uh, learning about the Buddha and Buddhism, uh, there are things that I definitely do not align myself with. And one of the biggest things is that uh, I've seen like memes and quotes, and maybe you have too, of is saying to not want to have desire is still a desire. So we can technically never rid ourselves of desire. And I think that it's maybe not the wisest thing to want to, because we are not spirit. We are spirit, but we are living in this human form. And so to rid ourselves of desire would be to disengage with what we're here for, which is to be human. And I additionally think that suffering is part of the human experience. I was thinking that for a while as I was you know, meditating and learning about our Ascended Master today, the Awakened One. And I was thinking, you know, 
I was reminded of another quote that I saw where it said, um, it was like another meme, it said, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. And so I sat with that for a moment and I just realized, you know, because initially I thought he was trying to say you have to eliminate suffering and remove suffering and, and to me that's impossible and I don't think that that's even what we're here to do because some of our greatest awakening comes through our greatest pain. So I feel like to um, eliminate suffering would be a hopeless feat for one and also not understanding the gift that it provides. So those are some things I kind of disagreed with uh, or I don't fully align with or believe myself personally. Now, if, if that's how other people believe, that's perfectly fine. I encourage that and I would love to learn more about it myself please enlighten me because we're always learning but I feel like there's beauty in that and I had to realize like yes pain is inevitable but suffering is optional because a lot of times we keep ourselves in a state of suffering with our thoughts with our beliefs with our situations you know it's up to us to remove ourselves from suffering you know we don't have to think whatever comes to our mind we don't have to do whatever everyone else is doing we can actually reduce a lot of suffering by honoring our own truths, you know, and seeing what it is that uh, resonates with us. So that's uh, some things I thought. And then the other thought was to make desire the enemy, to me, is also to make the universe at large an an enemy. And um, um, I think about this, I don't remember exactly which video it was, but I believe it was a Teal Swan video where she talked about desire is what makes the universe expand you know someone had the desire to create a podcast and have a platform for it someone had the desire to make food someone had the desire to etc whatever and it's through our desires that we birth new desires it's through our desires that we help the universe expand you know if someone didn't have the desire to create a light bulb we'd be sitting here in darkness and someone didn't have the desire to create a telephone, we wouldn't be communicating. So, excuse me, I just think that making an enemy out of desire is maybe, uh, for myself, not the right approach because I feel like it's understanding what, what about the desire causes suffering, not desire in itself, not desire by just desiring. And I feel like that can be almost shame-inducing you know, you desire food or you desire sex, you desire whatever. And now you're shaming yourself for those desires. And I, I don't think that that's the most beneficial thing to do to oneself. I don't think that that's helping us are a planet or as a species evolve. So it's about accepting ourselves, loving ourselves. And when we shame ourselves for our desires, that's when we can get into really shadow territory because it doesn't go away. Desires don't go away. They just manifest differently. So that's when distortions can happen, you know, and that's when people can do all kinds of things, become a pedophile or become whatever. And that's just a really blanket example. But whatever the case is, because we haven't honored what our desires are and we've been shamed for it. So now we have to do it in secret. And that's where it festers into some shadow territory. So I feel like bring those desires to light and let people love us, you know, and accept us. And it doesn't mean we have to act on every desire we have, but I do think it's beautiful to accept that we are human beings who have desires, you know? People have desires of 
smacking people in the face. I'm not going to say, I'm sure you guys know, if you're living in this time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. People are going to have those desires, but do we act on it, you know? And I don't feel like desire is what causes uh, suffering. I feel like um, a lot of other things can lead to suffering, but to make an enemy out of our desire is also to attack ourselves and to shame ourselves, which cannot be feeling great for us and if we're not feeling great other people are not going to be feeling great either so I think that what does and can potentially lead to suffering is actually suffering suffering leads to suffering misery loves company leads to suffering staying um locked in situations that are not helpful for us lead to suffering you know um carrying things that are not ours lead to suffering having a lack mindset selfishness, control, all of those things can lead to suffering. Um, Expectations lead to suffering, can lead to suffering. Living in denial can lead to suffering, right? Um, Falling for potential can lead to suffering. All of these other things can lead to suffering. Our own thoughts that we tell ourselves can lead to suffering. Other people can lead us to suffering, but it's up to us. Are we going to follow those other people? Are we going to follow our own spirit? Are we going to follow ourselves? or follow someone else that's going to lead us to suffering, you know? So I think it's, you have to take everything with a grain of salt <laughs> a little bit. You definitely do. Um, oh, and before I continue, I'm going to stop the camera because it's going to stop on its own, I believe. And uh, yeah, so I'm still trying to get the hang of recording and recording myself at the same time, so thank you all for bearing with me but there is another article that I want to um there were several articles I found about the Buddha about uh Siddhartha there's so many um so many articles I found and I want to continue to read one of them one of one of the articles the other ones I'm going to just put in the description if you want to look at it by all means do now there are some really great principles of uh Buddhism that I do think are wonderful, such as meditation, mindfulness. You know, mindfulness is not just a meditation. It's a way of life. It's a way of being, you know, mindful eating habits, mindful sleeping patterns, mindfulness yoga. All of these things are really beneficial for us to tap into the now moment and tap into ourselves and tap into the stillness where we can hear the divine talk to us and we can be that divine being. But uh, a couple of things I will say um, as the video is loading here. Um, Okay, now it's back. But uh, one thing I will say is that, uh, is that, you know, like I've mentioned before, many of us could be more than we know that we are. Whether you want to believe in Ascended Masters or not, or recognize yourself as one, we all have that seed of greatness in us, you know, so... Buddha was just an ordinary person who awakened, which can give us hope and faith that all of us can awaken. So should we choose to. So should that be in our life path to do so. It's we all have that potential within us, you know. And so I love the story of the Buddha because it reminds us of that human person who decided to awaken. They didn't they weren't born born from a Virgin Mary. They were all human. Um, as far as we know, <laughs> all star seeds, right? And um, it, it goes to show that none of us, you know, 
are truly what we see. There's so much more to us and it's up to us to tap into that divinity. And, and life will help you tap into that divinity, you know? And so uh, I want to talk about this other article before I send you all on your way. <laughs> but this other article, I just really found some really incredible stories in it. And um, there's another book that I'm going to use later as we continue, as I continue, I should say. So the Buddha determined, according to this article, determined that he should be born the son of a king. And shortly after his mother, the queen, as we've covered in the last, the last passage, dreamed that a white elephant had entered her womb. Ten lunar months later, as she strolled in the garden, the child emerged from under her right arm. He was able to walk and talk immediately. A lotus flower blossomed under his foot at each step, and he announced that this would be his last lifetime. The king summoned the court astrologers to predict the boy's future. Seven agreed that he would become either a universal monarch or a Buddha. One astrologer said that there was no doubt that the child would become a Buddha. His mother died seven days after his birth. And so he was reared by his mother's sister. As a young child, the prince was once left unattended during a festival. Later in the day, he was discovered seated in meditation under a tree, whose shadow had remained motionless throughout the day to protect him from the sun. The prince enjoyed an opulent life. His father shielded him from exposure to the ills of the world, including old age, sickness, and death, and provided him with palaces for summer, winter, and the rainy seasons, as well as all manner of enjoyments. At age 16, he married the beautiful princess. When the prince, meaning the Buddha, was 29, however, his life underwent a profound change. He asked to be taken on a ride throughout the city in his chariot. The king gave his permission, but first had all the sick and old people removed from the route. One old man escaped noticed. Not knowing what stood before him, the prince was told that this was an old man. He was informed also that this was not only that this was not the only old man in the world. Everyone, the prince, the father, his wife, and his kinsmen would all one day grow old. The first trip was followed by three more excursions beyond the palace walls. On these trips, he saw first a sick person, then a corpse being carried to the cremation ground, and finally a, um, I don't know this word, but a sage seated in meditation beneath the tree. Having been exposed to the various ills of human life and the existence of those who seek a state beyond them, he asked the king for permission to leave the city and retire to the forest. The father offered his son anything if he would stay. The prince asked that his father ensure that he would never die, become ill, grow old, or lose his fortune. His father replied that he could not. The prince retired to his chambers where he was entertained by beautiful women. Unmoved by the women, the prince resolved to go forth that night in search of a state beyond birth and death. When he had been informed seven days earlier that his wife had given birth to a son, he said, a fetter has arisen. arisen. The child was named Rahul, 
meaning fetter. Before the prince left the palace, he went into his wife's chamber to look upon his sleeping wife and infant son. Uh, da -da -da, I'm going to skip that part. It's irrelevant. Instead, the prince's final act was to conceive his son, who's... I'm sorry, it's talking about an alternate version, but that has no bearing on this version, so I don't know why they're saying that. Okay. The prince left the royal life behind and entered the forest, where he cut off his hair and exchanged his royal robes for the simple dress of for a hunter. From that point on, he ate whatever was placed in his begging bowl. Early in his wanderings, he encountered... Um, another king and eventually uh, a Buddha who upon learning that the aesthetics aesthetic aesthetic was a prince asked him to share his kingdom the prince declined meaning the Buddha declined our Buddha that we're talking about the Buddha declined but agreed to return when he had achieved enlightenment over the next six years the prince studied meditation and learned to achieve deep states of blissful concentration. But he quickly matched the attainments of his teachers and concluded that despite their achievements, they would be reborn after their death. He next joined a group of five aesthetics who had devoted themselves to the practice of extreme forms of self-mortification. The prince also became adept at their practices, eventually reducing his daily meal to one pea. Buddhist art often represents him seated in meditation. Da, 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 da. Okay. His, comp his companions remained con convinced of the efficiency of aestheticism and abandoned the prince. Now without companions or a teacher, the prince vowed that he would sit under a tree and not rise until he had found the state beyond birth and death. On the full moon of May, six years after he had left his palace, he meditated until dawn. Maria, Mar Maria, I think, the god of desire, who knew that the prince was seeking to put an end to desire and thereby, thereby free himself from Mariah's control, attacked him with wind, rain, rocks, weapons, hot coal, burning ashes, sand, mud, and darkness. The prince remained unmoved and meditated on love, thus transforming the hails of fury into a shower of blossoms. Mariah then set, sent his three beautiful daughters lust, thirst, and discontent to tempt the prince, but he remained impassive. In desperation, Mario challenged the prince's right to occupy the spot of earth upon which he sat, claiming that it belonged to him instead. Then, in a scene that would become the most famous depiction of the Buddha in Asian art, the prince, seated in the meditative posture, stretched out his right hand and touched the earth. By touching the earth, he was asking the goddess of the earth to confirm that a great gift that he had made as prince in his previous life had earned him the right to sit beneath the tree. She assured, she, um, she assented, assented with a tremor and Ryan departed. Sorry, I got confused there for a second. All right, the prince sat in meditation through the night. During the first watch of the night, he had a vision of all of his past lives 
recollecting his place of birth, name, caste, and even the foot he had eaten. During the second watch of the night, he saw how beings rise and fall through the cycle of rebirth as a consequence of their past deeds. In the third watch of the night, the hours before dawn, he was liberated. Accounts differ as to precisely what it was that he understood. According to some versions, he was... Uh, yeah. You can read that on your own if you so choose to. These articles will be listed. Continuing, the experience of that night was sig- significantly profound that the prince, now the Buddha, remained in the vicinity of the tree up to seven weeks, savoring his enlightenment. <sighs> One of those weeks was raining, and the serpent king came and spread his hood above the Buddha to protect him from the storm. And goes on to talk about more art and more um, ways that he's depicted, how the Buddha is depicted. So I wanted to read that story because it gives a little bit more intel, a little bit more insight to his journey. And you know, there are so many different accounts that you all can find and read to learn more about Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, the founder of Buddhism. Um, But the more we know, the more we know. So there's several different accounts that add or have different versions and they're all beautiful accounts as far as I'm concerned. But in this one, there's a lot of parallels between other ascended masters who who were, you know, either left on their own and they're found meditating or writing sacred scribes or doing something that already shows that profound gifting And so everything is full circle. You go back to your childhood and you recognize, wow, I've been doing this since I was a kid. And you're finding yourself back doing the things you love. And that that's always been your destiny. You know, a couple other themes that come up is uh, him being tempted. It's very familiar to other Ascended Masters. My favorite one in particular, very familiar to those stories of being tested. So that just goes to show when you're on the right path, you will be tested. You will be tempted. And um, having that steadfast, unmovable, unshakable groundedness in yourself, you know, to know, okay, this is just a trick. This is just a trap. And, you know, sometimes we fall for it. Sometimes we don't. But nevertheless, it's all a universal. Are you going to pass or repeat? And as I've mentioned, some of us are not here to repeat. Some of us will not be entering this uh, experience again. And the Buddha knew that, you know, he knew that from a young age that, I'm not reincarnating. I'm not coming back here. And some of us aren't either. And that's why it's important to remember. This is why it's so challenging potentially for your journey this time. You're not being punished. You're being rewarded for all of the efforts you've done prior to this. You know, some of us are very ancient and we're very homesick. <laughs> and so this is not to um, to test us or to punish us. This is to say clear all of this out now so you don't have to worry about doing any of this leave no stone unturned you know and maybe that'll give you guys some peace on your journey to realize okay this has really been a tough time for me this journey why it's because this is your maybe your final ride you know I don't know only you can determine if that is your case or not and just like we only can determine our own destiny and so another thing I thought was very interesting about the story is the, um, yes, it's very unfortunate that he, his mother passed seven days after his birth, 
Um, but everything serves a purpose, whether we fully consciously understand it on this side or not, it does have a purpose. But the other thing is that his, uh, you know, his guardian. Oh, wow. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm <laughs> distracted. His guardian being his uh, father wanted to, you know, protect him from the world. And on one hand, one person might say, wow, that father really loves his son. He wanted to protect him from the woes of the world and shield him from the dangers of the world. And wow, that's so loving. That's not what I see. <laughs> that's not what I see at all. That is very harmful. Okay, that is not love at all. That is, uh, that is love under the guise. That is fear under the guise of love. His father was not doing that out of love. He was doing that out of fear, you know, and when we do things from fear, we may get distorted results. So no, that was not loving. And to me, that's very toxic because, you know, here's this father who's like, I'm going to shield you from the world. But he actually did his son a great disservice because he had a rude awakening. He, he did not empower his son, the Buddha, to know what reality was. He gave him a false perception and he gave him a world that was not um, rooted in truth. So his greatest adversary or his greatest setback or his greatest, you know, uh, trauma became his gift because this person tried to keep the truth from him, that people age, that whatever, whatever else happens in the world. And as a result, that's what kicked it off. That's what made him want to start the thirst for truth because he had been so deceived. He had been so basically gaslit by his, his own father, like, you know, and I, I'm trying to find this book that I, another book that I have that I read, um, but I read it. So it's now in a whole nother section. Uh, if you're familiar with iBooks, once you finish reading a book, they will store it somewhere else once you finish reading it. So it's no longer in your collection of what you want to read or what you haven't read or anything. So I'm trying to find a book now. Like, where is it? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, not sure. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. There is a passage from the book that once I find it, I will read because it's very, um, and of course I found it now. It's very telling of what the king's motives were. And to me, this is, uh, this is important because, you know, it, it's, you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me just read it. Let me do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this comes from a book called The Life of Buddha and Its Lessons. And this is also another book that can be found on iBooks. And I will find the um, author and stuff who wrote it and I'll share that hopefully in the description. Okay. So this this particular passage uh, says, we are told that the king, meaning the Buddha's father, the king commanded that within those walls, no mention should be made of age or death, sorrow or pain or sickness. And every dawn, the dying rose was plucked. The dead leaves hid, all evil sights removed. For said the king, if he shall pass his youth far from such things as move to wistful, wistfulness and brooding on the empty eggs of thought, the shadow of this fate too vast for men may fade. Be like, and I shall see him grow to, the, to that great stature of fair sovereignty, when he shall rule all lands if he will rule, 
the king of kings and glory of his time. End quote. And um, the thing is, and I, I've read different accounts, as I've mentioned before, that I will include other articles if you want to look into that. But there have been other articles of capturing the Buddha. And it talks about how the king wanted to, he wanted to alter his destiny, essentially. The king wanted the Buddha to become the next king. He did not want him to become the Buddha. He wanted him to become a king. He was like, "Mm, let me not, you know, encourage that spiritual life for you. Let me get my needs met. It's a very selfish mindset, personally, very selfish mindset. And the unfortunate thing for me as I was reading and learning all of this stuff, the unfortunate thing to me is just that it was such a disservice that the Buddha was handed. It wasn't fair to him to not be exposed to reality, to be so sheltered in that way. It didn't empower him. It didn't set him up for life beyond the palace and really beyond his father's protection. It didn't set him up for becoming an adult, essentially. And he was married at 16 and he ends up having to leave his own child at 29 to go on his uh, spiritual quest to find himself. And it's just painful as I was learning this and just sitting with it, just the pain of that being passed on, that he had to abandon his child, you know, that he was neglected himself, the Buddha, because his father did not. He First, he was neglected by his, his mother's death, yes, but then also his father didn't provide any structure for him to grasp the reality of world of the world and um you know it's one thing to protect your children but it's another thing to set them up for failure out of false protection you know and you you can't protect your kids from everything and nor should you really want to they need to have those experiences and for him to then have to abandon his child it just broke my heart because it made me realize how many people set themselves up for failure unfortunately how many people you know we have a set clock for when we get married for when we have kids and yes there's a biological clock that is very true but if we don't know who we are and we're bringing in other humans into this world are we really doing them the best service you know i feel for the children who experienced that whose parents were either so selfish or so self-centered they didn't they didn't do anything to prepare for the child And I know accidents happen, but it's also like, let's be responsible, you know? And I just feel like it just was painful to see that he had to abandon his child for his quest to spirituality. And I I do believe later they connected, but the point was he wasn't there for those pivotal, important months. You know, the first five years of a child's life shapes them. And to know that his son had to grow up without his own father is just, just painful. So, um... All of that to say, yeah, we can learn from these ascended masters. Are they perfect beings? No, they are human. They are people who choose to awaken and choose to um, embrace the reality of the spirit that they are, to recognize that the God is them and is within them and is all of us. And to honor that in each and every one of us is is beautiful in itself. And um, another beautiful message is that your destiny cannot be altered. You know, you may feel attacked or people are trying to sabotage you or hold you back or whatever the case may be. It's not going to work. If it's your destiny, it's your destiny. 
So please keep that in mind and just be at peace with oneself to know everything is going according to plan because often those things people plan to set us up actually set us up, (laughs) set us up to fulfill our destiny, you know. And so another another uh, story that came to mind was uh, the Sleeping Beauty. I think it was the Maleficent version, Disney version that I saw. And it made me think about this as I was learning about the Buddha was um, they tried so hard to prevent the Sleeping Beauty from becoming Sleeping Beauty. They knew she was going to prick her finger and they're like, let's get all sharp objects out of here. But guess what? It still happened. It still happened. She still somehow pricks her finger because it matters not what other people are doing or trying to do or sabotage us or whatever. It does not matter. Our destiny will always be fulfilled. And there's a beautiful movie that I I love and I've watched. One of my favorite Mill Gibson directed movies (laughs) is called Apocalypto. And I had a movie day and I I might have another movie day if you guys want to join me for that. (laughs) Might have another movie day and um, watch Apocalypto because on the cover it says no one can outrun their destiny or something to that effect and I just think like you know we we worry more than we need to because everything is setting us up and also to recognize to realize that things take time the Buddha did not become the Buddha overnight it took him six years of practicing And oftentimes when we have been so suffocated or subjugated or suppressed, we, the pendulum swings from one extreme to the other before we find the middle way. And so the same thing happened to the Buddha, you know? So if you're feeling that, that energy right now, it's all good. You know, the Buddha went through it. Other people will go through it. Other people are currently going through it. However, you're not alone. Like see these people as inspiration. Like, wow, they did it. Maybe I could do it. You definitely can. And so we have to go through, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but we have to go through that dark tunnel first to get to that light. So I hope these messages empower you and help you embrace who you are and maybe connect to these ascended masters as they're always here to help us. They're always here to guide us and just illuminate the path for us. So I'm grateful for those who have gone before us. I'm grateful for those who will come after us and hopefully leaving better footprints for others so uh be well stay safe take care until next time